This is extra, and I am just over. Let's suppose there's a group of give shelter to a single porcupine in need of a home. Unfortunately, sharing a shelter with this creature such as a porcupine causes those moles to be constantly stabbed and poked by the other spe- species' quills. What should they do in this situation? See, there's three different ways of thinking that those moles could process. This is psychologist Carol Gilligan. There's pre-conventional, conventional, and post-conventional. Each opinion the moles consider slightly different depending on which stage of thinking they are in. The pre-conventional level of thought would be thoughts for oneself, that the shelter could only hold either the moles or the porcupine, needing the other creature or creatures to leave. Oh, so this seems as more of a selfish approach. More or less so, yes. Next, the conventional level thinking here would have the mole or the porcupine thinking about oneself to the good of others, which might even lead to one of the species sacrificing themselves for the other one to be able to live in the shelter. Once again, only one of the two would be able to take home there. Hmm, okay. So this ends in practically the same result in this scenario, but the participants are being more selfless and considerate of one another. Correct. In this stage, people seem to be more considerate about others rather than themselves. And the post-conventional level thinking would be looking for the good in both parties, where both the moles as well as the porcupine would be able to live together in the shelter, with rules and agreements so that both can live in the same place without difficulties. So, in short, this solution would be the compromise between the different creatures, leading to a result that both would be sufficient with. Yes, exactly. Although, not all post-conventional level thinking will lead to the best-case scenario results. I see. Researchers found that the solution to this scenario is different with different individuals and that gender also plays a vital role. The thinkers were observed viewing the problem in two different perspectives, the care-based and the justice-based. That's right. These two perspectives are actually more driven towards the post-conventional level of thinking than the other two. Mostly because, as you had said, gender plays a larger role when viewing these states of thinking. The justice-based morality is the kind of thinking found in men. It is when you care more about individuality than the well-being of others, whereas care-based morality is the kind of thinking found in women. It is where you care for others and avoid violence. It is more important for them to maintain good relationships with people. Hmm. And so, could the moral judgment lead to conflicts if they are not delivered properly? Yes, there are two stages after the judgment. What are those? They are called consensus and controversy. Can you explain those more in depth? Of course. First off, consensus is the state where people will become convinced with the moral reasoning, therefore coming into agreement with the judgment. This will leave the people feeling like justice was served and that the verdict may favor any party. Very interesting. And controversy? Controversy is the state where people involved with an issue are not happy with the verdict. This will leave the people to be dissatisfied because they believe that the justice was not served. This could even lead to another conflict. Jeez, I personally don't like to engage in much conflict. Me too. 
Going back to the justice-based and care-based moralities, you mentioned that they are both in the post-conventional level of thinking, correct? Huh, yes. Although there are very specific and unique discoveries found within the post-conventional level of thinking, not everybody makes it to this level. Oh, how would someone not be able to make it to the post-conventional level of thought? As a person would make their way through the development of thought, changes occur to many points of that person like their opinions, the way they view certain things and topics, and their emotions and feelings that they feel for objects, people, and relationships. Ah, yes, relationships. The main reason for why some may not make it to the post-conventional level. Relationships? Yes, relationships. Because of the theory of moral development, it is not easy for women to move on to post-conventional state because they care about relationships greatly, and it's harder for them to move on from certain ones. Well, that makes sense, but what about males? Is it the same in the sense that if a male is upset over a relationship that it could prevent them from reaching the development and thinking state that is the post-conventional one? Or because of their perspectives, is it a different result than the woman? You see, the answer to that is yes and no. For a man, it is possible to not reach the level, but is more likely than that than they will be than females. Based on the development research between the women and the men, the research will show that it is less likely for the males to not reach the third level in relation to the women. Oh, and while we are on the topic, Carol, you are actually the discoverer of the theory of moral development. <laughs> this is indeed true. What does your theory state exactly? It states that sexes tend to think differently, particularly when it comes to moral problems. Women's way of thinking are always under- undervalued compared to men. Ah, oh, right, right. So tell me, Carol, how did you come to create this theory and manage to grow to where it is seen today in the world of psychology? Well, as a student, I went to many schools of education to learn different areas and fields for exploration. I pursued my doctorate in social psychology from Harvard University. I found the whole idea of researching the development of boys' and girls' morality over the time very interesting. Ah, so that led you to create your theory of moral development. Yeah. I actually was also an assistant for Lawrence Kohlberg, who created his theory of moral development, but I eventually became independent and made some of his theories my own. Ah, and with your education, your name is found under so many awards, both in the world of psychology and in daily awards, such as the Senior Research Scholar Award, Meyer Award, Heis Award, and even being labeled as one of the top 25 most influential Americans in Time Magazine in 1996. That's right. A lot of my research on this topic led me to reach the great goals and highs that really got around to papers and websites. On the topic of paper, I've heard you have also written and co-written many books. What on? Your theory? The books. Yes, I've written my book in a different voice to focus on the process of how to understand the morality development of girls and women, and, hence the title, to also point out and address the importance of the differences between girls' and boys' moral development. The rest of the books, though, I actually didn't work on alone. I co-wrote with my students that I worked with on a Harvard project. Over the course of those years, those books contained all the detailed discoveries about women's moral development and the impacts and causes that come from it. That's amazing, and it must have taken so long to put them together.
It may have taken a course of a couple years, but learning and adding to my theory was an exciting part of the journey till now. There's always new things to discover about a person and who they are and how they'll grow. It sounds like a great ride you went through. Could you explain more about your theory? I was hoping you'd ask that. It's my specialty after all. <laughs> Basically, the theory mainly based on researching both boys and girls to see the moral development of children as they grow over time. In the theory, I argue that the girls exhibit very distinctive patterns of this development based off of the relationships that they have with others, as well as feelings of care and responsibility. Which ties back to the example we were speaking of in the beginning with the moles and the porcupine. Exactly. My research and work even inspired a feminist-oriented movement known as the Ethics of Care, which directs the attention of the need for responsiveness in relationships and the cost that it might be if there are connections and responses that aren't filled. This movement was able to basically describe how morality is grounded in a psychological logic that reflects the ways the people experience themselves in relation to others and that the carelessness and injustice of many pairs. This is known as the origins of morality lie in human relationships. With the topics of how women's ways of thinking are overseen and undervalued compared to men's, you emphasize on gender differences, but it has also been argued with and criticized by feminists who state that looking at the gender difference is justification for the rise of inequality. Ah, uh, yes. Inequality is one of the parts that I find difficult to address when it comes to my theory, seeming as the fact that I mainly focused on only the girls and women development instead of the boys. My response to this, though, is that my research is based on the three main stages of moral development of girls, which I found captivating in a sense that I would want to elaborate and recognize more. These stages weren't found in the research from those boys, thus why I only had to elaborate on the girls' development instead of the undergender. Um, it seems that your discoveries really do have deeper meanings and importance to the development of people. I'd hope so. <laughs> It's been a ride, and I really wish that my work and findings would be of importance to at least someone out there wondering about girls' development. Well, that's all the time we have today for Exploration Brain. I wish we had more time to discuss more of your findings and really dive deeper into your theory of moral development. But there's always other days for that. Me too. But since our time was cut short, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. It was a ride and really refreshing to talk about my theory for others to discover. Thank you, Carol. I'm truly grateful for this experience. This is Exploration Brain, and I am Gianna Cover.